Hello and welcome to another episode of Research Radio, a podcast of the Economic and Political Weekly. I'm Johan and today we have with us Khalik Parker to discuss his paper titled Platformization, Infrastructuring and Datafication, Regional Variations in the Digitalization of Indian Cities, which he co-authored with Marie-Hélène Zera and Gaurav Mittal. Khalik Parker is with Centre d'études anciens sociales sur les mondes africains, américains et asiatiques. University Paris Cité in Paris. Welcome, Kalik, and thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Kalik, you begin your paper saying that the existing research on smart cities in India has been largely preoccupied with studying specific experiments or understanding the Indian interpretation of this idea of smartness, and your paper deviates from this trend. But before we proceed, could you tell us a little bit about what we're talking about in terms of smart cities in the Indian context? Yeah, thanks for that, Johan. Um, we know that there already are multiple global narratives around smart cities. And over the years, you know, there have been different smart cities in Korea and South America. Uh, it's, it's, it's a catchphrase that does the round uh, in many cities, uh, both in the global north as well as the global south. Mm-hmm. So there is a imagination of smart cities clearly in these projects, but it's, it's always a little bit hazy. Now, there is a European Union definition of smart cities, and there are a few academic attempts to sort of understand what smart cities are. Uh, and in India as well, it takes a very particular trajectory. So what we already know is um, the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs, you know, they had a competition, 100 cities were selected, uh, which submitted their proposals. But something interesting that happens very differently is, apart from the existing municipal agencies, the Smart Cities Mission asks to create this body known as the Special Purpose Vehicle. So apart from, say, Pune Municipal Corporation, there's also Mm -hmm. Pune Smart City Corporation Limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a separate entity from a governmental uh, body. So this particular institution, the Special Purpose Vehicle, creates these proposals on how to make their own cities smart. And what mm-hmm. we see in India is continuing from older traditions, uh, such as the Jawaharlal Nehru National Urban Renewal Mission, um, that there is a sort of emphasis on infrastructure, placemaking, creating of highways and roadways and things like that while there was this sort of increasing focus on digitalization as well, which is what, you know, caught a lot of the public eye. There's been a lot of this idea of what exactly is smart in the smart city. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it came to implementation, each of these cities had their own visions. Some of them went completely in the direction of infrastructure, while some of them did infrastructure as well as digital projects. And what we have been doing um, is we have been trying to trace what are the various ways in which cities have imagined their own smartness, uh, whether it is from classical placemaking strategies uh, or whether it is um, in other digital projects. Mm-hmm. A couple of um, interesting points that today we see that this particular thing called the SPV has been instrumental in speeding up projects, uh, it, which conventionally would take a slightly longer time. Um, but this also raises the question about democratic uh, accountability since the um, SPV is not really a municipal body which has the same kind of scrutiny that a municipal um, corporation would do. Mm-hmm. We also find that there has been a large focus on infrastructure in terms of budgeting uh, and in terms of investment. Uh, and this is an important trend because even though there is this vocabulary of digitalization and smartness, that still a big part of the 
project funding has been spent on um, infrastructural development. We also see that many small cities did benefit from the Smart Cities Fund, uh, especially to invest in like pure infrastructure, which they earlier did not have. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting trajectory for us as well. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned the digitalization of urban governance. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yes. So within the Smart Cities mission, um, what we did as a part of a research project was to look specifically at the question of digitalization. Uh, another part of the project looks at how states function, looks at how the SPV functions, looks at other projects. Uh, but there's a part of this um, larger research project where we focus on the digitalization as well. Um, very simply, to um, there are few ways in which we know digitalization happens. There's the early computerization in the 1980s and the 90s, the introduction of computers to enter forms and things like that. And then there is digitization, which is conversion of older data, older maps into digital um, uh, formats. Uh, but then we started having technologies that would deliver services. An example of this would be the early e-governance examples where instead of going to a municipal office, you apply for something online and the certificate mm-hmm. comes online. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, there are the technologies that optimize services. So how do I make traffic regulation in my city better? How do I make waste collection in my city better? Um, so when we talk about digitalization of urban governance, it straddles all of these different strategies. Mm-hmm. In your paper, you talk about the role of the state governments in smart cities and other urban digitalization projects. I was just curious about what prompted you to look at the state governments because the smart cities mission is a central government project, isn't it? Yeah. So one is uh, this academic interest in geography where we want to read scales of government, right? That there are different layers of government which influence each other. And in India, where um, urban governance has been fairly recently after the uh, 73rd, 74th Amendment Act been recognized as a decentralized governance. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, uh, cities continue to be well within uh, state governments in terms of budgets, in terms of decisions, in terms of appointment of uh, bureaucracy and things like that. Um, while we were working on this large project, uh, we did initial interviews with state administration with city officials, mm-hmm. and we consistently found that states had their own pathways of digitalization long before uh, uh, the smart cities mission. Uh, states also were responsible for creating infrastructural uh, projects within cities, like Maharashtra does significantly contribute to Mumbai's idea of urban renewal first. Uh, and so, therefore, the the role of the state was something that was definitely uh, evident right from the beginning. Uh, however, once we started doing fieldwork, we saw how entrenched that was. Uh, so we know that, for example, in the um, uh, SPV, the special purpose vehicle, many of the officers are actually appointed by the state government. They belong to the ministry level um, or the urban department uh, level bureaucrats form a big part of the boards of the smart um, city limited mm-hmm. and so whether it is in the case of Punjab whether it is in the case of Karnataka in Odisha we do see that there are multiple state institutions um, which historically have been responsible for urban infrastructure or urban development um, they have been fairly um, uh, represented well within the SPV as well mm-hmm. um, as I was saying that the digital projects that we see um, that there is a historical legacy of this. And as we point out in the paper as well, 
uh, that states have run e-governance reforms, have run digital reforms uh, for multiple avenues. And we see that lineage continuing as well. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most interesting contributions of your paper is this PID framework that you develop. That is platformization, infrastructuring, and datafication. I remember you have a very interesting example of the traffic monitoring system. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. So, for instance, one of the common projects across cities is what we call as an area-based development project. So there is mm-hmm. a central area in a city um, which is chosen as the most intensive site of redevelopment. So, this is where you would have large-scale infrastructuring. You would, for instance, you would be making car parks. You would be widening roads. You would be doing introducing gardens or beautification uh, projects. This becomes a hallmark of what the city is doing in terms of a particular project, um, and which quite significantly is very popular um, as well. Um, now, in, what we noticed as a part of uh, many of these studies that we're doing and looking at different cities is that while there is this large-scale upgradation of public spaces infrastructure that is going on, there is also the story of digitalization. Mm-hmm. Because while they are doing this, they're saying, okay, now we're going to do smart parking with sensors. Um, while we are doing this area-based development, this main square, which is always heavily full of traffic, we are now introducing algorithmic-based traffic systems. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to improve our bus transport mobility uh, by in, by putting GPS and electronic ticketing. So we saw this vocabulary of digitalization uh, quite often in all of these different sites. Um, and as we started work on this, we wanted to make sense of what is this vocabulary of apps, sensors, optical fiber cables, databases that are being set up under the Smart Cities mission. Um, as a part of this research project, we interviewed the various consultants, the technology vendors, um, the designers, urban planners, um, and we saw that there is a particular logic in the way that these things are arranged. and. This is this is something that, um, to go a couple of steps back, if you look at any of the literature on Indian urban studies, especially during JNNURM or during the National E-Governance Plan, where both of these introduced a large number of e-governance reforms and some early digitalization strategies, this literature does not really talk about what is the digital itself. So it says, oh, this computerization project was finished. This digitization project was incomplete. But what does it mean to digitize? What does it mean to digitalize? Was something that within Indian uh, urban studies, we could not really make sense of. And so we um, sort of expanded, went back to the smart city literature. We also went back to this domain uh, known as digital geography, mm-hmm. where and um, SDS, which is science and science, technology, and society, Um, And we pulled certain concepts that we thought really worked um, in order to create a model to understand what digitalization is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way we realized this is at the end of the day, in order to resolve an urban solution or a governance solution, a platform is suggested. So how Mm -hmm. do I improve my certificates, my birth and death certificates? I'll have a platform that gives birth and death certificates. How do I improve traffic in the city? I have a platform that monitors and regulates this. So that clearly became the first digital artifact that was very, very visible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I also use um, some government apps to pay our bills and things mm-hmm. like that from time to time. 
The second is to make these platforms work, you require digital infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, some of this is hard infrastructure. So you need CCTV cameras, you need number plate recognition cameras, you need sensors to measure the environment, you need fiber optic cables. Mm -hmm. And there's also soft infrastructure, like the actual algorithms within the programs mm -hmm. uh, or the data that is saved within the databases. Um, so these are our infrastructures that support the actual platforms. And finally, we realized that at the end of the day, either to make these platforms work, you require a large amount of data, which you need to collect. But this data also needs to be utilized for effective planning. So in the future, if you want to talk about which roads are going to have more traffic in the future, uh, or which roads tend to get congested over a particular period of time, mm -hmm. um, this is something that for future planning is much more effective. And so we created the framework where we said, okay, the first thing is platforms, and there's a particular way in which these platforms are designed. There's infrastructure that supports the platform and supports this entire digitalization project. Mm -hmm. And there's the data, which is not only collection, uh, but it's also utilizing this data effectively towards creating um, urban, quote-unquote, uh, solutions. Um, so as you, as you asked, conventionally, traffic signals are timed signals, which are 30 seconds or one minute, uh, depending on whatever has been preset. Mm -hmm. But now there are these sensors that are there at particular junctions in many cities. So it measures the number of vehicles passing, it measures the amount of time vehicles are waiting, and it sort of the algorithm predicts which signal needs to be opened up ahead in order to pass this through. Mm -hmm. Similarly, a sensor realizes if somebody is going too fast or is going in the wrong direction, and a particular camera is taking uh, photos of this. Now, the camera is the infrastructure, the, but there is a platform somewhere that is running the data through its systems in order to develop an eGLAN. So once we realized that there were these varied projects which are digital in nature that are really transforming the ways that cities are governed, and right now we are uh, in the paper, we do evaluate some things that work and some things that do not work, uh, which we will talk about in a bit. Um, but we were also trying to see what are these varied experiences of cities. So why does one particular city decide to transform its waste management by introducing weight sensors, while another city wants to do this by making workers scan QR codes on household doors? Mm -hmm. So both of them say we are going to transform urban waste management. One says we do it through a sensor. Another says we do it through a QR code. A third says we do it through a GPS. Mm -hmm. system, there is a platform somewhere that is running all this data that is supposed to improve those services. Um, and uh, so we started really as we were comparing multiple different cities, we saw that some cities really heavily invested in infrastructure. Some cities already had infrastructure going back 10 years. Um, but what we do see is definitely that there is this, like in other domains of our life, there is this pervasive sense of platforms will solve everything. And in most of the smart cities we go to, um, um, you can see that whether it is citizens' access to services, or it is, whether it is the optimization of municipal services, or even if it is keeping track of what tasks employees are doing within the municipality, there's always a platform that is doing this through its algorithms and through its programming. Mm -hmm. So after comparing these four cities, namely Ludhiana, Bhubaneswar, Mangalore, and Bhopal in their respective states, what are some of the things that we can learn about the trajectory of digitalization of urban governance in India? So one is definitely that 
this is even with this sort of large centralized project like the Smart Cities Mission, uh, there is no uniform process that is identifiable at the city level. So even though SPVs are set up, even the municipalities have a particular way of administering and governing, um, there are of course commonalities that we find, uh, but there are multiple ways in which each city has its own variation of its idea of digitalization, has its own idea of smartness, has its own idea of urban renewal. So as we point out in the paper, you know, Punjab, uh, Ludhiana, we don't really see anything related to the digital at all, because as a city, it has the preoccupations of improving its transportation networks. While in the case of Bhubaneswar, while there was, because there was an older digitalization project, and the state government seems very keen to do e-governance services, uh, we found a much more diverse range of digitalization projects. So that's the first overarching thing that we see. Uh, but largely what we find is, if the suggestion that is made is digitalization improves governance, how do we evaluate this? Um, so we find that when it comes to the delivery of services online, so for example, the biggest ones are obtaining certificates, uh, getting, uh, paying your taxes, getting your licenses. Uh, they tend to sort of work efficiently. Now, of course, there are questions of digital literacy, who actually is using this online, uh, who's actually downloading an app to request for a birth certificate or a death certificate and things. Um, there are uh, problems related to that. But at the same time, we find these platforms tend to be more effective because they really reduce the burden of having to walk into the municipality. Uh, there are, in cases, again, like Bhubaneswar, you know, there are regional centers where you can go. You can go to a local shop who does it for you. You don't need to go and stand in line. Uh, so we find that these kind of platforms, which also come from older strategies of e-governance, of JNNURM and National e-governance plan, they tend to be more successful, more stable, more utilized. On the other hand, service optimization platforms, such as for the regulation of traffic or for waste management, we have seen mixed outcomes out of this. This can be because sometimes the platform does not effectively process the data. Sometimes it's because the infrastructure on the ground fails. So, you know, workers trying to scan things may not necessarily always work. Uh, GPS systems sometimes fail and things like that. But also that the data from Indian cities is still very, very unclean data. It's still very mixed data. The cities are still figuring out how to use this. Mm -hmm. And essentially, service delivery is easier because it goes through a checklist. It says, okay, is this person eligible for the certificate based on the criteria the person has entered? If yes, deliver it. If no, do not deliver it. Mm -hmm. While in waste management or in traffic, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And we see this often that even in smart cities where there are these algorithmic traffic lights, sometimes um, a cop goes, turns it off because the junction is in chaos and starts regulating traffic manually instead of digitally. What we also see is because of this sort of trend of uh, digitalization as one of the focus points um, of the Smart Cities mission, that there is the rising role of consultancy networks within urban planning. Now, let's not forget that consultants have been around for a while and have been aiding and assisting and suggesting to the government um, and the municipalities over a while. Um, but especially since this entire vocabulary of platformization or infrastructuring or how to use urban data, we do not really have capacities within municipalities, within state governments. Mm -hmm. 
And so there is a heavy reliance on cons consultants uh, across different sectors to help make sense of this data, to help create new digital projects, uh, to suggest new infrastructure that has to be set up. But this is this is a vicious cycle because as more and more consultants come in, the municipality no longer has people trained to handle this digitalization. Mm -hmm. So the municipal staff does not know how to use GIS data. The municipal staff does not know what to do with these databases. Um, the municipal staff trained in data formats of the 1990s and the 2000s do not know current industry standards. And this, mm -hmm. is, this is a big problem that this is, we see this as a cyclical continuity that's definitely going to be a feature in the future. Um, but what we also, one thing that in the entire, what the platformization infrastructure and datafication shows us is the idea of what, why are we collecting this data? What are we using for? Um, it's still a bit hazy at the city level. So we know, I mean, cities have been generating data under the smart city mission and even before that, we have better taxation records, we have better billing records. Uh, we do have uh, better records of city planning and things like that, which are now digital. But we don't, this is something we heard across municipalities, like we don't know what to do with this. Mm -hmm. There is a potential that platforms will process this data and give us urban solutions and so on and so forth. But one thing we know is that datafication is not as easy as it was made out to be. Uh, we are also unsure about who controls this digital infrastructure in the future. Like right now, the uh, these sensors and things like that will be with the um, SPV, but at some point of time, the SPV may shut down. Who then has, does the traffic police have control of the surveillance camera? Does the municipality have a control over the environmental sensor? Mm -hmm. Does the pollution control board even want the environmental sensor? You know, these are the things that we are not really sure where this infrastructure is going. How long will these platforms be maintained in the long run and so forth? At the same time, we know or we can see that there is a push for maintaining this. Uh, and one of the icons that we have is this thing known as the integrated command and control center, which is always a large room with multiple large screens um, with people looking busy in front of banks of computers, uh, which are which also essentially are bringing in the data which connect all the infrastructure from all over the city, which can be used for CCTV monitoring. But also we know that during the pandemic, the uh, integrated command and control centers, uh, centers were very helpful in monitoring the city in spatial, uh, and there are multiple interesting projects that have come out of that. Um, and so we know that this the need to have these kind of infrastructures, either for public visibility or for future projects of digitalization, it's clearly intended uh, by all cities. like the. IEEC has become an integral part. Most cities have it. Most cities spend a big amount of the smart city budget mm -hmm. uh, on the IEEC as well. So we also see that digitalization is definitely a longer project for the government because even from the smart cities, even before the smart cities mission has ended, there already are supplementary or new missions that are created. So there is the national urban digital mission, uh, which was launched. Uh, which sort of carries forward only the digitalization components of, of the Smart Cities mission. At the same time, um, between the Smart Cities mission and the National Urban Digital Mission, uh, the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs has continued to roll out documents 
that guide uh, digitalization as strategy. And we see, and there is a, a working paper uh, on the Center of Policy Research, uh, which you can link to, uh, which talks about how multiple policy guidelines are shaping the future of digitalization. And I'll give you one small example, uh, a couple of small examples. There is something known as a data smart uh, cities strategies, which sort of tells cities these are ways in which you can use data better. Mm -hmm. Or uh, along with the Bureau of Indian Standards, there is something known as smart city standards, which have been released a couple of years ago. And these standards are essentially saying, you know, if you want to set up infrastructure in your city, these are the standards that you have to follow. If you're creating a platform, these are the standards you have to follow. So we see that even though within the smart cities project, digitalization is a very small part uh, in terms of financial outlay. In the longer range of things, uh, we definitely find that digitalization is going to be a significant part of urban governance. I want to go back to the question of data because, you know, it's really impressive and exciting to see what can be achieved by digitization. But it's also a little scary to think that, you know, all of these interactions between citizens and the state become an opportunity for the state to collect data and to monitor their citizens. I also noticed that in every one of the cities in your study, you have this tag saying that no city data policy is available. So my question is, is there any data policy either at the state or at the central level to ensure that this data is not misused? For instance, in Europe, you have the GDPR uh, regulations. Uh, and I ask this, especially since you also mentioned in your paper that these special purpose vehicles that actually implement these things are registered as for-profit organizations. And in this day and age, we know that data is very valuable. That's that's definitely a valid question and that's definitely a point that many of us have been talking about the primary thing of course as you know our data privacy and protection laws are still being formulated are still being debated we do not really know what direction this will go in at the same time we also know that if you look at all the 100 smart cities the commonest project you will find is cctv and surveillance at the same time, we are collecting large amounts of household data, uh, especially when it comes to billing and uh, service delivery and things like that. Um, we know that there is uh, a large amount, which is public data, you know, citizens records, etc. Some of these records are definitely linked to other databases and other databases in question. So, for example, uh, most of the traffic regulatory systems are linked to the Wahan database, uh, which is a record of all so there is this sort of cross-linking of other data sets that the Indian government and the Indian state has. And these are um, uh, definitely projects that are uh, pervasive across the board. So to come to your question, so we know that there is no existing data laws. We know that a large amount of data is being collected. Um, and where does this go from here? Now, the big... Um, the smart cities, for instance, were asked to create a city data policy. And across the board, when you would ask about it, they would say, yes, it has been framed, or yes, it has been passed, but it has not been implemented. And this is largely because who implements a data policy? Who at the city is supposed to be responsible for data? Um, when there is one particular consultant who's designing a platform, another vendor is installing the infrastructure, a third vendor is creating a database, 
a fourth vendor is putting up the networks um who is going to supervise this entire chain you know there, there is no mechanism that really clearly identifies this mm-hmm. at the same time um i do not want to be this grand surveillance um uh, harbinger there's also you know many of these technology developers do follow industry standards there are particular protocols on how data can be exchanged within systems and they are following these uh, systems as well but at the same time in terms of practical things we have cities where they have said oh if the police wants something we hand it over oh this particular department asks we hand it over it's a senior bureaucrat we can't say no to him mm-hmm. so at the practical level of course data is being exchanged uh, when it comes to uh, surveillance um to come to the final part of what you asked now one of the things that we are doing is from each of these cities uh, from the 100 cities but other cities as well which are not in the smart cities mission the data that is collected is generally housed in a city level database or in a state level database so depending on the kind of infrastructure they have they will have um, data center or they will have cloud storage which is controlled at one of these tiers of government uh but because a lot of this new data is what we call interoperable which means that it can be transferred from one system to another and it can be read by another system mm-hmm. um which was not possible under older systems uh what we find is there has been this attempt to unify a lot of urban data so if you the first attempt was something called as a smart city open data portal where city data officers would upload certain data from the city uh, into this portal but that does not really have effective data the next version of this was something known as iudx the india urban data exchange which we briefly refer to uh, now here there are first they try to um, you know get data from all the cities but then all the failures became a problem so they started with a few cities and the number of cities has increased and you and i anyone can log on to the india urban data exchange and uh, you can ask for data of a particular city now this is heavily regulated you cannot ask for personal details you cannot ask for cctv footage i see so if you say you are an academic working on traffic you can through the platform of the india urban data exchange you can ask say can you give me uh, traffic patterns of public buses from this date to this date mm-hmm. the question is who in the city is making the decision on whether to give yohan or khalid this particular data set you know that's a bit unclear at this stage mm-hmm. um and so uh but this the data exchange is supposed to be a data exchange that is supposed to help um academics and industry to access this data now what does it mean for academics and industry to access this data it's still unclear at this stage on who's accessing what are the various pathways mm-hmm. that this data is taking to sum up and answer your question yes this is a big worry especially when it comes to surveillance and at the same time there are no formal mechanisms that are really protecting this data per se there are standards and there are protocols uh, but <clears throat> there is a large amount of data that is being generated that is being exchanged uh, but this is this is something that needs to be there needs to be much more solid policy and uh, supervision about mm-hmm. Finally Kalik we've been talking about platformization infrastructuring and datafication in the context of urban spaces but these processes are not limited to urban spaces you know arguably not for long and the attention that your paper calls to the role of state government suggests to me at least that this is already underway you know the sort of spreading of the 
the digitalization of governance beyond the the borders of the city so what does this mean for how we understand what it means to be urban yeah that's absolutely right i mean whether it is the entire transition into uh, upi after demonetization or uh, the fact that many of our day to day uh, access of service um has moved on to platforms whether it is taxis or calling a plumber uh, you know this this pervasiveness of platformization is definitely present in multiple walks of life um and beyond each of these behind each of these there is uh, there are digital infrastructures there are ways in which data is acquired and data is captured for the urban in particular um there are a few ways of looking at the future of digitalization in the urban the first is who can access governance in the city and we already noticed this uh, that if you tweet at a particular um, representative it's maybe much more effective than going to their office and camping physically which would be an older strategy right and so there's this entire question of who has access to the city who has access to the governor governance of the city and this is something with the smart cities mission that even though many cities did reach out to citizens to know what their vision of smartness was at the end of the day the question is do these platforms or these digital projects really help a citizen access their public transport better has it really improved their water supply has it really improved their access to representation and these are questions we need to really address um second is when we are making these plans so okay uh, the consultant goes to the city people say improve our public transport network the consultant says i will improve the public transport network using this particular platform now this is where public scrutiny ends because the public has been heard yes you have a transport problem yes you have waste management problem but the public is not the one who is contributing ideas of how to improve these services there's simply what is your problem and let us resolve it for you from technology and this is a problem so even though when many of the cities created hackathons or created these um entrepreneur centers for uh, young technologists to work in uh, we find that in many of these cities none of them are actually doing things for the city they are creating small projects on their own or they are creating commercial enterprises uh and even though there are some interesting public projects of um, digital access like the m indicator app in uh, mumbai is something that a lot of people use it it does not come from the state it does not come from a consultant it comes from one guy who was tired of finding out when the train is running on time so you can have and you know um, different places around india and around the world have shown that there are public digital projects where public collaboration hackathons etc can be helpful to sort of create or generate um digital solutions or digital uh platforms to resolve a particular problem but this goes to who is making these decisions and right now especially with the way that the spv is structured and the smart cities is structured we see that the ability for citizens to participate saying this is how i want my city designed this is how i want to access my services uh it's not really um uh, resolved the second is um who is actually governing this digitalization so for instance uh, as we point out in the paper and in other instances if a digital project fails who is supposed to be responsible uh 
what we find is if one digital project fails they replace it with another digital project sometimes uh, and this is a problem because you can't be that you know it's it's a self um, feeding exercise where you are replacing one digital uh, system with another while the core problem of governance is not resolved um, and and therefore the question is who's going to make decisions in the long run run about which projects should be digitalized will the digitalization really address the problem of waste management or something else uh, this is something that really needs to be addressed when we are talking about who is going to govern the city in the future so the two main preoccupations are how do we access the city digitally do citizens uh, really have a say in which the direction the city are is taking considering these wide range of uh, digital projects uh, and the second is who is really governing this idea of digitalization? Uh, where where do these visions of um, the governance of a city come from uh, at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. And to harken back to something we were talking about earlier is what is the point of this large urban data that we are collecting? That's mm -hmm. that's something that definitely needs to be addressed. It's not fully clear at this point of time. Okay. So th those are all my questions for today, colleague. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you also to all of our listeners. And you can find the article discussed in today's episode in the show notes. You can find more episodes of Research Radio as well as our podcast supplements at epw.in slash podcast. And to experience all that EPW has to offer, head over to epw.in today and subscribe. This is Johan saying bye-bye and see you next time on Research Radio.